today we are talking about the count the count yes. dracula mm-hmm. and the historical figure he came from vlad the impaler all-time nickname yeah for a leader real name vlad tepes at the time he actually he did not like to be called vlad the impaler but you know what if you impale people you might get that nickname i didn't realize they called him that at the time yeah kind of like behind his back i think <laughs> let's for sure. let's take a step back here mhm let's kick it off with some segments loosen ourselves up get ourselves buzzing we'll buzz up on some vampires We'll talk about Vlad the Impaler. We'll talk about Count Dracula. We'll talk about techniques that we would use to fight a vampire if we had to. But based on the research that I've done, I think it would be impossible <laughs> to fight a vampire. Ooh, okay. I'm excited to get into that because, I mean, clearly there are some very obvious ways to take down the vampire in your life. But yeah, I am excited for this podcast. We're going to get a little bit of a history with Vlad the Impaler, Vlad Tepes. We're going to get your horror fix talking about vampires. So let's get after it. And then at the end, we're going to give you a tutorial on how, <laughs> I like how you said, <laughs> take down the vampire in your life. Because in all likelihood, you do have one in your life. <laughs> There's a vampire. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's behind you. Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, and we just this is the topic for this episode because on the fly we realized 13% of the US population believes in vampires which is incredible <laughs> which is absolutely incredible and I would love to have one of them on the pod because I bet you you know they start convincing oh, you a little bit a true believer I mean, I bet people are just watching True Blood and Twilight and stuff like that, and they just assume that it's real. Let's kick it off with this. When you envision a vampire, what do you envision? Well, first of all, you got the fangs. You got some real nice canines coming out of your teeth. People have vampire teeth. And I say that as I point to myself. Have you ever noticed my vampire teeth? Holy shit. Holy. I have vampire like, teeth. You have these huge, two huge canines. Goodness gracious. You should. You've never noticed you, that before? I Not like at this conscious level. But now that you pointed it out, like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They They dip way lower than my front four. So sometimes if my mouth is a little bit open, you can actually see my canines coming down, but you don't see my front four teeth. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> We're speaking about the vampire in our lives. And come to think of it, I've never seen Slavo eat a garlic pizza. I love garlic. I love garlic. Okay, so two things. That's okay. One, I love garlic. Two, garlic can kind of give me a stomach ache. It just kind of like grinds up my insides if I have too much uh, 
garlic. I find. Yeah. Okay. So, so far, the two traits we've mentioned about vampires, one, they have these strong canines, which Slavo has. The second thing, vampires have, they kind of detest or they have some repulsion to garlic. Slavo, his body also doesn't handle the garlic very well. I just, I, I didn't even realize that I was actually saying bad things about garlic, even though I was saying I like garlic. <laughs> I mean, you're just, you're being yourself. Um, so what's another thing that you envision about a vampire? Yeah. And on the garlic, uh, just to give a little origin here, but so there was a time when rabies was pretty common and people, we talked about this in a previous Helen Keller episode, people when they get rabies genuinely kind of go crazy and go rabid. And some of this was explained as vampire behaviors and um, people with rabies actually cannot like they have a repulsion to garlic. They don't like the way it smells. And so that's kind of where that myth really, came with, from with people with rabies hate garlic. Yeah. And dogs as well. Like, have we considered that I have rabies? <laughs> uh, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, now, I'm, I'm kind of now I'm kind of leaning towards the people with rabies are kind of just vampires. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they die and then they like, it's a transitional period. You get rabies, you go to the grave and then you become this eternal. So we're, we're here. We're now at another thing that a lot of people think of with vampires is kind of this eternal nighttime. They, they can't have the sun, the sun kind of burns. Yep. And, um, and this, this comes after someone has rabies there's this transition period that Buzz and Biographies is disclosing and discovering on the spot. They become a vampire and they, of course, feast on people's blood. And that's how they survive. That's where they get their nutritional value. Uh, typically on the neck. Usually if you, when Slavo wants to get his canines, um, the neck is the juiciest part for mm. a vampire. Yeah. Do we have to like go find someone who died from rabies, go find their grave and check to see if their <laughs> bones are there? Because now I'm starting to get I'm starting to get nervous about this vampire situation. <laughs> I feel like this vampire rabies situation, it's becoming more and more believable to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it. yeah, a lot of people used to get rabies, and there also used to be a lot more vampire sightings. And so now uh, th thanks to Michael Scott, less people have get rabies. It's kind of a solved issue t to a large degree. So that's why we have less vampires currently. But you know, this it can quickly get out of hand when a lot of people with rabies um, start t attacking people and there's vampires. So, you know, it's at bay right now. But as we've seen from the past, the vampire population can grow. And, you know, we'll see what happens. That, I, I feel like that almost changed the tone of this podcast. I feel like this has turned into a vampire PSA. Where yeah. if you see a vampire in the streets, run. Because <laughs> it, will, it will hunt you and kill you. It's a tough one. What other traits do you think of? Oh, boy. 
when I think of vampire, I think about yeah. a cape. I yeah. really do envision Dracula when I think about a vampire. Very pale. Absolutely. I think about a black cape. Somebody who's very suave. Mm. And they're, hello, welcome. I think about Transylvania. Mm. Yes, yes, that's a good point. I also visually think of they have blood kind of running down the side of their mouth on the outside of their chin. Yes. Do, do, do you visualize that? I do visualize that. I feel like also if you're a vampire for Halloween or something like that, that's a classic touch that people put mm-hmm. on their Halloween costume. Um, now I'm thinking I should go as a vampire for Halloween. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And you mentioned the shape shifting. It does. I do think they have some connection with bats and maybe they can like transform into a bat yep. or multiple bats, a swarm definitely. of bats. Vampires can definitely shape shift into animals. Frequently yep. it's uh, rats, dogs, wolves, bats. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they can do that. Yeah, pretty badass. And this is a trait I did not, or a characteristic I did not know was vampiric, was that they try to get themselves invited into your home. Maybe there's some spiritual covenant where they can't feast on someone unless they've been invited into the home. Yeah, that's a a classic vampire thing is the... uh... When you invite invite the vampire in, that's when you're doomed. Yeah. And I also think about the garlic necklace. Have you seen people with garlic necklaces before? No, I haven't. It's an anti-vampire device where you wear a garlic, a a necklace of cloves of garlic. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm pretty sure that's just an anti-people device because they're going to smell like shit and no one's going to want to be around them. No, but it it will obviously, but... Especially vampires. (laughs) And I will say, okay, so vampires need to be invited into your home. The more modern vampires, I feel like they tend to be charming. They tend to be better looking. Like the whole Twilight series, you know, they kind of took this a very maybe loose definition of your classical vampire and and made it like a, a heartthrob for teenage girls. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that vampires, it turns out that it's not like they can't go outside. I always thought that sunlight burned their skin bad, mm-hmm. but twi- I'm pretty sure in Twilight, it just, their, their skin just shimmers in the sunlight. Yeah. No, it, it depends on what story this is coming from, but I have seen movies um, like Dracula Untold where the sun burns the vampires and then i've also seen other uh, stories where you know it kind of they don't like the sun the sun hurts a little bit but they can still function any other traits about a vampire i feel like they're very tall tall envision them and lanky yes there's um i kind of think of maybe gabe from the office you have this tall lanky pale because they don't, you know, they need to... from the office. <laughs> I don't envision him at all when I think of a vampire. Actually, oh, I didn't no, until I right now. He's this tall, lanky, pale guy. He should be cast as a vampire. 
I also feel like a vampire has very dark hair. Yeah. Yeah. That's a classic vampire situation. And it's always slicked back. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing. Like you have the canines, but you don't have the like your your skin's not that pale. You have lighter hair. You have a beard. Yeah, but I I could be a modern day take on the traditional vampire. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we have this stereotype of what a vampire looks like, mm-hmm. and then we literally have Slavo the Vampire in front of us. <laughs> Slav Pyre. I think our podcast would blow up if it turned out that I was actually a vampire. Should I just start doing vampire things? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we got to start with you drinking blood. Your blood? <laughs> Whose blood am I drinking? Um, well, I mean, how how much blood do you have to drink? Does it have to come from my neck? I think. I mean, I haven't been a vampire long. <laughs> this is my first time. <laughs> but I, I think they say once you get a little bit, mm, it's yeah. very addicting. So mm. I imagine I'll, I'll only need a little bit at first, but then over time, I'm going to need a lot of blood. Do you think people like drink blood? out there people absolutely drink blood this may be a situation where you go too far down the internet but there's like a section of people who claim to be vampires and and like other people on the internet mail them their own blood what yeah i haven't it seems like it would be legal I mean, I don't think this is very common to the point where the authorities maybe need to f- get involved. It seemed pretty consensual. Is that considered cannibalism? I would say it's pretty close. I would say very close. If it's not, it's as close as you could get. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. So people send other people their blood. And then those people then drink the blood. And they say, mm, nice and tasty blood. I feel like you'd get sick. And film it. <laughs> oh no! Well, I mean, how else do you, you know? Maybe this is like just. I feel like if I was sending blood to somebody across the country because they need to drink blood, I feel like my requirement wouldn't be, "Well, you need to film it," so I know that you drank it. I mean, how do we not know this is just the Red Cross trying to get my blood for me? I need to see you drink it. This is. I want to see my donation going to good use how much would somebody have to pay you to drink like a syringe full of blood specifically my blood okay so i think i'd just rather not but or a shot glass full like a shot of it i don't think that would be that bad if you could just get over it be horrible blood yeah um, I, I did want to bring this up. I mean, when you have a cut or something, do you ever lick your own blood? Mm, I have before. Mm-hmm. I think I've tasted, or even it, people know what blood tastes like. Like you bite, you bite your lip. Mm-hmm. You taste the blood in your mouth. Yeah, kind of metallic. Yeah. It's not terrible in the small doses. It's your own blood, and it is, I think, medically 
beneficial to lick your blood. I, I believe that helps stop the blood. I don't know. But do you like the taste of your own blood? I don't mind it. I don't think it has much of a taste, but it's not that weird. Would you agree to just lick if you have a cut on your arm to, you know, kind of lick it off? It'll stop the bleeding. It's not that weird. Slave was giving me a look. I don't think it's that weird. I think the way that you phrased it made it sound like you almost like looked forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just maybe giving you a little bit of a look. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I'm not going to do this at a dinner table. But yes, if it's beneficial for me to lick the blood, I don't think it tastes my own blood a little bit. tastes so bad that I wouldn't. I, I don't know. I would probably go either way on it. And I would hope if we were frolicking in the forest and I got bit by a venomous snake and I'm losing consciousness, I would hope you would suck the venom out for me, Slavo. Yeah, I would do that. All right. You hesitated, but then you came in confident, so I think you would. Um, but I know someone. Now, tell me what you think of this, where if they have a cut, they will take their finger, touch the blood, and lick it that way. Like instead of just putting their mouth on their arm, they will scoop it up, like lick it, whatever, taste it, get it wet, and then like kind of do that a few times. And then lick it again? Yeah. Who is this? We can we can beep it out. Uh <laughs> Yeah. He does that, <laughs> puts it on her finger, it. and then she licks her finger like a cat. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that's the line where that's definitely a little weird. If you're like scooping up the blood in your finger and okay. then tasting it. But this is a completely, so this is your own blood, and it's a very small amount. We're talking about my blood in a shot glass, like a lot of it. Yeah. Haven't decided on the temperature. <laughs> But how much would you have to get paid for that? Um, Honestly, I wouldn't want to do it just because it's just unnecessary and too close to cannibalism. But I think like if I had to, if there was some beneficial reason, let's say it's $50,000 going to St. Jude's Hospital. There's a patient who needs a $50,000 heart transplant and they depend on me taking this shot, I could do it. No sweat. Take a shot at your blood. So you don't need any money, but I donate $50,000 to St. Jude's for a heart surgery. (laughs) I'm saying there has to be some real incentive. Uh, What about you? Same question. I feel like I really wouldn't want to do it. I think it would traumatize me. Mm-hmm. You'd probably have to pay me, me personally, <laughs> 50 grand. Fair, fair. Well, people do this on Fear Factor. It's not human, but they drink blood and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So non-human blood, I don't even think that would bother me that much. It's supposed to be very healthy. I mean... Think about a bloody steak. How do you like your steak? I mean, I always do medium rare, but I don't hate a little blood on the steak. 
Yeah, a little bit of blood on the steak. Nobody's mad about a little <laughs> bit of blood on the steak. Medium rare, blood's coming out. Yeah. All right. So that's that's what comes to mind when you think of vampires. Yep, that's what comes to mind when we think of vampires. Should we talk about Vlad Tepes, the I'm going to say the father of Dracula, kind of where the myth mostly came from. Yep. Let's talk about it. He, uh, Vlad Tepes. Do you want to go into a little, do you want to go into a little bit? You, you can go ahead if you want. <laughs> yeah. So Vlad the Impaler, he was born in 1431 in the area of Romania. His dad, also Vlad, he went to a meeting with the Ottoman Empire and they captured him and his kids who will become Vlad the Impaler. And we've seen this in other episodes. The Ottoman Empire released the father, but Vlad the, Impi- Vlad the Impaler, future Dracula, he was kept as leverage. So they raised him you know, honestly, a pretty good life for those standards. He was educated in science and philosophy, but, you know, he's still a captive and they're using this as leverage for his father, who is this ruler. His father was actually called Vlad Dracu. And so Dracula means son of Dracu. That's how um, it is believed they got the name Dracula. And and then in the future, Vlad the Impaler kind of gets his revenge against the Ottoman Empire. At the time, a lot of people really thought highly of him. They thought he was a very tough ruler, very, very tough, but very just tough because... If you lie, if you steal, you get a very specific death penalty, (laughs) impalement, where they take a spike and put it through your body, sometimes through the back first, then up through the mouth, and you get like put in the ground, and you don't die right away. Absolutely brutal. No, that is brutal. So brutal. And because this is so brutal and so public, people see people dying on these stakes that all of a sudden no one wants to commit crimes. And apparently the crime rate was so low. And one famous story is he would leave a gold cup out and fill it with water for thirsty travelers and no one ever stole it. There is a super valuable gold goblet, gold cup left out in the middle of town and no one at night comes and steals it. So the legend says, because everyone is so afraid of being impaled that no one dares touch it. Ruling by fear. Yep. I mean, does that work for as a deterrent for crime to just if you make the punishment so severe 
does that keep people in line? It's a highly debated topic in the field of criminology. And, you know, I think it does to some degree. But I think, you know, with crimes of passion, less so. You know, maybe you won't steal a cup. Mm. But then someone really wrongs you in the moment and you react um, animalistically or impulsively impulsively then i feel like you're less likely to consider the consequences yeah i think that's fair i think that's fair but if you if you were convicted of theft and they're like we're gonna cut off your hand that would be pretty harsh penalty for theft but there would probably be less theft but there would so, probably be a lot of one-handed people walking around. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very harsh. Um, yeah, Vlad was very uh, intimidating for the people. He was a very intimidating ruler, very notorious. and But he was probably the, the quote-unquote greatest ruler of his society – like, I'm pretty sure now, even in Romania, I think they kind of look back on Vlad. Wow, that is a in, hot take. That is a hot take. That, is that a hot take? Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking that this guy who is Vlad the Impaler and is known for just impaling people is looked back. At, I bet you are right. You know, it's probably like a Genghis Khan situation. Yeah, it's like a Genghis Khan. I think it is. It's yeah. not like in Germany. They're never going to have statues of Hitler. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because exactly. the country has now moved on and they're like, this person was evil and brought us down an evil path that we're no longer on. Mm-hmm. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Mongolia is like that with Genghis Khan. And I don't think Romania is like that with Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. Also, they claimed, again, who knows where the truth is, but he would feast. He would eat while being surrounded by all these impaled people. And some would even say he would dip his bread like in their blood and like eat it. Oh. But again, who knows what's just playing into the legend. I bet that part is playing into the legend, taking your bread and dipping it into somebody who's impaled. Ugh. But yeah, it definitely creates some wild imagery thinking about him like that. And the fact that he's kind of the quote, the somewhat of the foundation of the Dracula character. It makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. He definitely has some characteristics that, you know, you see where the Dracula myth came from. There was one story about how um, he took, he leveled a city and they said that they beheaded like 20,000 people or something like that and put them on stakes. Jeez, that is brutal. And part of this is, I mean, they, they're trying to send a message. And like, how intimidating is that 
to, you know, you hear these myths about this awful, terrible deeds being done by the enemy, Vlad the Impaler. Then you roll into this town and you see all these heads on a stake and there's all these rumors going on about them. Terrifying. And boiling people. It's a, a lot of similar stuff with Genghis Khan where the reputation precedes him so much that and they seem so terrifying that people just kind of absolutely back away yeah also vlad the impaler known for having a huge mustache (laughs) it's a shame that this doesn't always get extended into vampires when you think of dracula do you think of a mustache no i don't i don't and I was actually reading this thing that there's a historian, Elizabeth Miller, that she said that based on her research that it's not 100% that uh, the Dracula character is based on Vlad the Impaler. She's like, mm, I could see it not being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've heard, like, in general, the myth, it comes from a lot of places, even as far back to Greek mythology, where you have this mistress of Zeus who kind of drank or ate children's blood, and that played a role. And then you have these other undead creatures. Um, you know, I do think a lot of the ideas get mixed, and people don't exactly know where the origins come um but yeah the prevailing seems to be like stoker this author first had a, had the first dracula novel and i think most people tend to think a lot of it came from vlad the impaler yeah i mean especially the name dracula yeah and the uh vampirical kind of the similarities between Vlad and between Count Dracula. I I personally think that it's it's definitely there's definitely a connection there. So as you mentioned, um, Bram Stoker, author, mm-hmm. wrote a novel named Dracula in 1897, and that is the first time that Count Dracula was mentioned, or that was where the Count Dracula legend was born. And Count Dracula had a lot of the the typical stuff that we think of now. I was actually reading about Count Dracula, and I was like, this is even scarier <laughs> than I feel like they make vampires seem now. Mm-hmm. Um He's capturing people and he's got them chained in his castle and he's just draining their blood and turning them into undead and stuff like that. It almost seemed like he's like a Dr. Kevorkian or something like that. Yeah, that's way worse. He is almost torturing them and chaining them in deep, dark dungeons to get the blood from them because he probably he might not want you to die right away. You know, he's looking you're kind of his source of food. He wants to keep you living but like just barely, oof, that's brutal. Yeah, he wants to keep you living so you can keep getting more blood. He's probably pumping you with fluids. He's like, drink, drink a lot of water. <laughs> so, not great. 
not great. I have a list of uh, powers that Count Dracula had. Do you want to hear him? Oh, yeah. Okay. Superhuman strength. The uh, equivalent strength of about 20 men. Not bad. Yeah, that's something I do think you tend to see in a lot of the vampire movies. Um, doesn't cast a shadow or have a reflection in the mirror. I don't know if that counts as a superpower. I feel like you kind of get outed. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen me in a mirror before. Yeah, so that I did think of that, that Slavo, I will say, he takes pictures. He has a shadow. Um, but yeah, that's the, the big out. Uh, he's immune to conventional attack. Like if you pull out a gun and you shoot Count Dracula, it'll just go like right through him. Mm, interesting. It was said that somebody took a knife and tried to stab him, and it was like stabbing air. Like he just Damn. can't do it. I think you have to vampires. You have to kill them with a wooden stake. Um, another weird one: able to climb vertical surfaces. Like Spider-Man. <laughs> and he would do it in a weird way. It would be like he was a bug on the wall. Like he would act like that. Which is kind of <laughs> horrifying to think about. Yeah, that's a new one. Interesting, interesting. He can vanish and reappear over short distances. So if mm-hmm. we're sitting here, I could just be like, and poof over to the other side of the couch. Yeah. If I was if I was a vampire, if I was Count Dracula, man, Count Dracula, he's got a lot of tools in the belt. Yeah, expansive toolkit. <laughs> uh, doesn't die from old age. I think a lot of people know that one. Vampires can live forever. Uh, can turn other people into vampires. That's uh, vampires, of course, can recruit, so they can they can turn you into a vampire. They can turn you into an undead yourself and then more on the 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 weaknesses side garlic which we've talked about crucifixes Mm -hmm. very afraid of the cross yeah see i feel like defense against a vampire like if you have a vampire epidemic in the area i feel like the defense is kind of easy you know you get some garlic you get a cross some holy water have a a stake on you at all times it sounds very scary, though. Like, imagine yeah. having to wear garlic yeah. out, or like have garlic in your pocket, have mm-hmm. a wooden stake. Mm-hmm. Probably have a, I'd probably have a collapsible one. Yeah. Where I pressed a button and it was like a switchblade stake. Yeah. Yeah, that's you a... know those like police batons where they um they whip them out. And they're no, it's like a it's kind of like a called? kind of like a lightsaber where it's you know in the handle and then you're able to whip it out type of deal, yeah, yeah. And they, they're collapsible, yeah. I would like that, but a wooden stick version of that, yeah. That sounds like a must have, but yeah, the issue is I feel like vampires are stealthy, you don't realize there's a vampire epidemic in the area and then they just have so many toolkits you know like you go to try to stake them they like turn into a wolf and bite your arms and they vanish they vanish to 20 feet over there this is all happening at night because you know the vampire is not showing themselves during the day no it's a it's a rough situation yeah 
that's why people typically kill vampires in their sleep. Because yeah. I think a vampire awake is just not a good situation. Um, if so, vampires sleep in coffins. Yep. That's a fun thing. They also, I feel like in movies and stuff, they sleep standing up a lot too. Yeah, that's true. No, they definitely, they sleep in the coffins, which that's pretty scary. Um, and it kind of plays into the, you know, they're from the undead. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more? Otherwise, I, I can bring up uh, the New England vampire panic. Uh, no, I don't really have anything more. Just basically that uh, Dracula was created by Bram Stoker. Kind of an interesting story. The We don't need to get into the story of the book that he wrote, but pretty, pretty intense. I think a lot of the Dracula stories are all very interesting. He lives in a castle in Transylvania, which is part of Romania, modern-day Romania. It's actually a region. I always thought Transylvania was a city or something like that. But Transylvania is it's like a mountainy region of Romania. So even more, Vlad the Impaler was local to where Count Dracula exists yeah. in this mythology. Yeah. So I wanted to bring up the New England Vampire Panic, which the whole story, very akin, similar to the witch trials, but tuberculosis, this bacterial throat disease was ravaging the towns. And at the time, they didn't know what it was. They called it consumption, but they did realize, you know, one person in the household gets this awful disease they die all of a sudden the other members start to get the disease Mm. people start to think hey maybe this is vampires tb um people with tuberculosis they cough up blood right yeah they cough up blood yeah and a lot of very bright medical minds and local town folk start to think this could be vampires and they go to the grave and they're coming out of the grave at night to spread this disease and attack the other members of the family or in the town. And so to combat this, people start digging up these corpses and just all types of ways to stop it. The most benign is they would just flip the corpse over and then, you know, the body can't get out of the tomb or something. But a lot of the times they would take out the bodies and start like burning them, decapitating them, anything to prevent these vampires from coming at night and spreading the disease. Did they think maybe to just watch the the <laughs> cemetery at night to see if people were leaving, the undead were getting out of these graves? Yeah. I mean, so I bet you they did. I don't know if they theorized that, you know, they were kind of these ghost demons that you couldn't physically see. But when they would dig up these bodies, they would notice that the bodies seemed a little fresher than most bodies, or it seemed like the body had blood in its lungs, or there was some goo blood coming out of the mouth, which does happen. And this part of it is like when you're decomposing and your intestines, and there's a whole medical explanation now. But at the time, they would dig up these bodies and be like, they're feasting at night 
there's one famous case with Mercy Brown and um, this whole family is getting this disease. This uh, girl, Mercy, gets it and she dies. And after like many members of the family have died, the town folk are like, we need to dig up this body. So they dig up the body. They take fresh blood from her heart. They burn it, mix it with water, and give it to her one surviving brother to drink. And he does. But he still dies. And the cure was unsuccessful. But that's how paranoid these people are. Oh, man, that's crazy. (laughs) It's just intense. And at the time, there are medical professionals who are um, documenting this. They pull up the bodies and they're like, you know, we see a little bit of goo on these spots. And like, these are documented in medical journals. And they're like, kind of being like these, this could be vampires. And people are reporting it in newspapers as if this is just facts as if, Oh, this is this consumption. This disease is being spread by vampires at night. It's just kind of insane. It would have kind of been cool to be a doctor back then or a researcher (laughs) and just come up with basically just theorizing the way you and I would. (laughs) Oh, oh, well, we can't explain it. So it's gotta be vampires. (laughs) Yeah. Like, how do you come up with that? (laughs) But yeah, I mean, there was just so much fear and you just try to explain everything with supernatural, mystical, I mean, now we could be, if you think modern day, think about global warming or something like that. People, we know enough now to be able to theorize why extreme weather changes are happening. But if we didn't know better, people would probably just be like, the the gods are trying to punish us or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You come up with some theory that mother nature and the earth is punishing because people are committing all these sins. Yeah. Uh, Behaving uh, dastardly, (laughs) having premarital sex, (laughs) drinking caffeine. Yeah. Now, I wonder, the other thing I wonder, I feel like uh, mental illnesses, if if that if science can ever really start to understand like the mind and because you know once they do i, I think they'll be a lot more better with, with the cures and the treatment and all that true they could figure out what yeah because somebody who's depressed the way you diagnose depression is by people saying how they feel over an extended period of time there's no yeah there's no medical test for depression it's kind of a it's a label for symptoms that people show. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a broken arm where if you have broken, they're like, mom on your x-ray, it says your arm's broken. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they may get to that point with brain scans where they can be like, you know, like, oh, you see these connections, like they're not active and this is why. And, you know, maybe we can do this. Wow. That'd be pretty cool. You kind of just blew my mind there. (laughs) Should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you for going on this journey with me. I learned a lot about vampires. 
and about Vlad the Impaler and about really how terrifying vampires are and how I feel like, oh, one other thing I really want to say about vampires is I feel like there's not a good modern vampire horror movie that Mm. I really want one. Yeah, all this talk has is giving me a craving for some horror vampire movie. Yeah, like if they came up with a new movie called Dracula mm-hmm. and it was all about, it was like scary and kind of gory and was like, you went in all these different caverns in this castle or something like that. I feel like it'd be pretty... Oh, absolutely. Um, That's a good point, too. With nowadays technology, you could have a sick Dracula mansion on the stormy hills. And you have, like, Robert Downey Jr. play Dracula. Mm-hmm. And make me, you know, make me kind of sympathize or like this Dracula character. Make me be like, okay, you know, he's just a little misunderstood. He had a rough upbringing. It's not easy being a vampire. Yeah, he was turned... By his mentor turned him but he didn't want to be turned and now mm-hmm. he's and he's basically the tony stark of vampires like he's edgy he's very suave but at the end of the day he's a vampire and he um, does like horrible stuff i'm into people. it i'm into it I'd, I'd buy the tickets that's great i mean i think you might star in this movie with those dracula fangs of yours with these fangs um how much money do we need to have before we can just like start putting these things into action like how rich would you need to be to then to be like dracula movie let's do that let's make it (laughs) hundred million dollars if you personally have a hundred million dollars how much would you then invest into this type of a movie Oh, I mean, I don't know if I'd. If you want to, you could take that money and go go to a director and be like, "Hey, I I, I want to fund this idea." Mm. Um, me True. personally, if I have a hundred million, hey, you know, I'd I'd throw in uh ten million for a, a movie I believe in. Sell it to Netflix. Yeah, I mean, it's an investment. Wow. But yeah, the. Vampire is pretty wild. The fact that 13% of the population believes in vampires makes me believe that this history is yet untold. I really, I, I think after this podcast, more people are going to believe. We're going to try to, our goal <laughs> is that the next time they do a count, 14% believe. I think, <laughs> I like to think we can convert 1% yeah, of the U.S. I mean, population to believe in vampires. This is a pandemic. They are amongst us. I think uh, everyone out there, stay safe. <laughs> they are amongst us. Everyone, yeah, everyone stay safe out there and uh, keep keep coming back to this podcast for all of your up-to-date knowledge on things that may kill you. Yep. Thank you.